So uh, our guest speaker is Pastor Bob Rufner, who, if you didn't know, is my father-in-law. Or we, we say in my family, father in love. And so Dad Rufner has been in ministry for many, many years um, and comes from a family of um, ministers. So uh, we are, we're really blessed this morning. I'm blessed that he's here. I just want to tell you a little bit about him in case um, you're new to our church family or you um, weren't here the last time he spoke, but he uh, was the founding and lead pastor of Abundant Life Foursquare Church, um, which was up in Central California for over three decades, so almost as long as I've been alive. Um, And uh, currently, he and um, Mom Rufner are uh, the founders and overseers of Everflowing Life Ministries, um, from which they do actually um, a lot of missions work. And so currently he is a missionary to South and Southeast Asia. And his main assignment, which I think this is really cool, is to um, train pastors and leaders to equip them to reproduce other pastors and leaders. How many of you know that, that we need leaders to minister to leaders? <laughs> um, and they're especially focused on uh, next-gen leaders. So I would like to uh, have you give a warm welcome today to our speaker, who is a father, a mentor, a spiritual father, and is going to bless you today, Pastor Bob Rufner. Good morning. I'm still recovering from knee surgery, so if I look a little gimpy, I'm feeling fine. You just got to tell the old knee. Thank you. Appreciate it so much. It is a joy to be here. I was just here two weeks ago. And we, we come actually at least once a month, and we usually sit over here and bother the people over there. So, But uh, it's good to be here. We consider this our second church home, um, and we love to worship with you and love pastors. Um, Gary and Terry, they mean a lot to us. And, and those of you who were here last time I spoke, this, this, uh, this house of worship has long history in my life. And so I'm, I'm just really blessed. And thank you, Melissa, for the wonderful uh, introduction. She is who Mary and I prayed for. Make me cry. <laughs> It's your fault, Jerry. Uh, she does that to me all the time. Just, um, just God's answer prayer. You pray for your kids and who God would bring to their lives. And so we love Melissa. She is a daughter. I never have called her daughter-in-law to my knowledge. Um, she's my daughter, and we claim her. Um, and we love doing what we're doing. This is a big transition from... Uh, 34 years of pastoring a church um, and uh, doing missions work for years and years and years while we were pastoring. And then the Lord, in his grace, said, you're done with pastoring and doing that. Now we just need you to go and and be in the nations. And so for the last couple of years, we've uh, since we retired, you see air quotes? Which means you don't, how many are retired but not retired? You're as busy now as you ever were. That's what I'm saying. They should have warned us. I wanted to take better care of myself. But um, uh, 
now that we're not full-time pastoring, we're still pastoring. We just do it all over the world, and it's a wonderful, wonderful joy. And we couldn't do it without uh, prayers and support of people just like you and churches just like you. And I wanted to just get this out of the way. We do have a prayer card, and this is important to us that people would pray for us. If you don't have one of these, my wife Mary has them, and um, we would just covet your prayers I'm getting ready to head, uh, getting ready to go to uh, Asia in August, uh, August the 19th, and uh, you'll see me here in the morning service, and then I'm on, a, on an airplane headed to India. I'll be in India for about three and a half weeks, for almost four weeks, and then go to Sri Lanka, and then to the Philippines, and then I'll be ready to come home. So she'll be ready for me to come home. This is my lovely wife, Mary. Mary, would you stand, please? And she is very patriotic. For those of you who are her Facebook friends, uh, which we have many in this congregation and uh, enjoy that, uh, our house is decorated with red, white, and blue. And so she's in red, white, and blue today because we live in a very, very patriotic town uh, where China Lake Naval Air Station is. And they do all kinds of testing and things. And we have flyovers that would be any... Uh, air show that you go, and we have those every day, every day, and our house is so close to the base that we get to hear uh, the morning uh, routines of, of uh, get up, get going, reveille, we also hear taps at night, so we can kind of set our whole lives by the sound of freedom. What an honor for me to be here today. In a couple of days, we're going to celebrate the freedom that was purchased through blood, sweat, toil, and tears of the patriots over 247 years ago and continuing to sacrifice and being held uh, for us and our future by the servicemen and women who are maintaining our freedom today. It's not lost on us this weekend that there are a lot of celebrations going on. But I'm here today to to say that the battle is not over. The battle for liberty and freedom is ongoing. We can see that in the natural, but beyond what we would ever see in the natural, there is a spiritual battle going on that is more real, more intense, and has eternal consequences. And so would you just listen for a moment or maybe let the Holy Spirit grab a hold of something in your heart this morning as we talk about freedom? I'm, I'm not going to wave the, the American flag today. I want to talk about the freedom that comes where the Spirit of the Lord is. Heavenly Father, I praise you and thank you that today, even as we have sung worship to you, our hearts have been lifted Our eyes have been set on you. And so in these moments, Holy Spirit, would you come and reveal to us the places of our heart that are still held in bondage? Would you reveal to us, Lord, where the the battle is? And would you give us the courage, the strength, the word in depth in our hearts that we might live in freedom? In Jesus' name, amen.
Freedom. I was going to do it like William Wallace, but it would be a little scary. I mean, have you ever watched Braveheart? Come on, if you're a manly man, you've watched Braveheart. Freedom! But I would scare the children. So I didn't do that, but I, I declare the word freedom, right? But freedom, the word freedom is like, like the word like love. Or like hope. Or like, hmm, like in the South, ain't that precious. Anybody here from the South? Ain't that precious. Or like in the, on the West Coast, that's interesting. That's interesting. We have words and phrases that have different meanings depending on who's saying them and in what place that they're saying them. And so freedom, hearing words like freedom, and we take these at face value, these words are vague. And and a lot of the definitions of words that we use today aren't anywhere close to the definitions and the words that we used 20 years ago. We sing songs now and we, we say things now that, that came from our old hymnals and the way that we were raised and the words that we learned back when we were in school that many years ago. And now if you say them, you can be arrested because words change based on context. And so we have a whole generation right now has no idea what the word freedom means because there's no context. In the natural, we find that that is becoming more and more true. But for some of us sitting here in this room or watching online, the idea of freedom may embody maybe an end to slavery or a a sense of patriotism or overcoming addictions or overcoming anything else that has been a bondage and a place of brokenness in their life. I used to be, but now I'm free. Can you say that with me? I used to be, but now I'm free. What happened between here and here? What do you think of in your own personal life when you hear the word freedom? I love that we had communion this morning as Pastor Dan mentioned it. There's, that's the greatest freedom that you will, I will ever have. We have the freedom, the victory over sin, death, hell, and the grave because of Jesus. We are, our lives are hidden in Christ. And because he had the victory, we have the victory. There is freedom that comes. And so that may be the first place you go, but is it the only place that you go in your life? I remember when I was addicted to this, or we had this area of brokenness in our life, and Jesus came and the Holy Spirit came, and, and now that it's something different, it's something changed. So where is freedom? While the word freedom by itself can take on a lot of different forms, when you connect it to God, it holds a much more specific meaning. God is not simply what we want him to be, contrary to popular cultural theology. Just make God whatever you need him to be. 
God doesn't operate that way, by the way. God is not simply what we want him to be. When the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church, he makes a connection that freedom is directly linked to God himself. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, Now this, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now, one of your translations may say liberty. That's okay. Doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means there's a different understanding of liberty and freedom. And they're so very similar that we won't make any quibbles about it today. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So freedom is defined by God, not Webster's. Freedom is defined by God. And more specifically, by the location of his spirit. In fact, Paul and the other apostles had a lot to say about freedom. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, Paul writes and he says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of tyranny, a yoke of slavery. And he goes on further in verse 13 of the same chapter of Galatians, chapter 5. He says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. You have been called to freedom. I like that. I like the fact that God doesn't just say, okay, you're free now. Go and do whatever you want. He says, no, no, wait. With freedom comes, you want to say responsibility, right? Anybody want to say responsibility? With freedom comes responsibility. That's not what it says. Come on, quit reading the Bible the way you want to read it. With freedom comes service. You say, well, yeah, we're responsible to serve. Okay, nice job there. Save that one. The Apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter 2.16, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Hmm. Should we quote Jesus? Jesus says in John 8.32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Verse 36, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Hmm. At the very core, the very root of the early church is this idea that on the cross of Jesus, through the the resurrection from the tomb, Every chain, every barrier, every brokenness, everything that needs to be healed, it is accomplished in that moment. And because of what happened in that moment, freedom is ours. You don't have to chase after it. You don't have to go and find it. You don't have to try and work it out on your own. Freedom is yours because of Jesus. Period. Done. 
You can't add to. You can't, well, it's the cross and. No, it's, it's the cross. And freedom comes from the cross. Freedom comes to us through the gift of God's grace of the cross. Jesus made this incredible declaration as he's headed towards the cross. He made the same connection that Paul did about how God and freedom are connected uh, for all eternity. The first recorded words that we see in Scripture, having come out of the wilderness that Jesus speaks, he comes out of the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit. We find it in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. This is what Jesus says. He's quoting now. He's quoting from the prophet Isaiah. But this is what he declares. It's not by accident. He wasn't just doing one of these sometimes that we do in our morning devotions. Oh, God, what would you want to say to me today? No, I don't like what that one. Can we do it again, Lord? Okay, that'll work. Now, it says that Jesus turned coincidentally, to where they were in the Scripture. Every day, they would read Scripture. They just happened, on that day, to be in the book of Isaiah. They just happened to be where Isaiah is speaking about the Messiah. And so Jesus just happens. How many believe in happens? I don't believe in that at all. Jesus turns, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty or freedom, if you have the NIV, to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Freedom. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'm headed for the cross. What you're going to see me do is march to the cross with my face set, as the scripture says, set like a flint. I am not going to move to the right. I'm not going to move to the left. I'm not going to take another way out. I may get to the garden of Gethsemane and just remind myself that there's no other way by saying, God, can we do this? Father, can we do this any other way? But already knowing the answer. Because from the, before the foundations of the earth, this pathway has been set. And in the beautiful timeline, in the fullness of time, the suddenly came where the declaration comes. Jesus says, the Messiah is here, and he says that the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Freedom is now in the house. Freedom is in the house. And as we read through the Gospels, we see that everywhere where Jesus went, he healed the sick. Everywhere that Jesus went, as he's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, people's lives are changed. Dead are raised out of the earth. There's a shaking where there's been bondage and brokenness all through the earth. And now we absolutely can see that where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There's freedom. There's liberty. 
There's a rejoicing that begins to take place because the end, you can see the end, the light at the end of the tunnel because the light has come. It was a spiritual battle. Jesus declared in that day, as he comes out of the wilderness, having gone through the temptation and the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit led him in and the Holy Spirit led him out. Some of us, as we're sitting here in these days, we're, we feel like we're in the wilderness, but we're not sure how we got there and we're not sure how we're gonna get out. I'm here to tell you that the Holy Spirit can lead you in and through the wilderness and he will bring you out, whatever it looks like. Because it's his plan. It's his purposes. It's his timing. It's his freedom on the other end. And you can have joy while you're going through. The spiritual battle is on. The spiritual battle manifests itself often in the natural world. And we can see it around us. We can see it in the culture of our age. The battles, the struggles... Is manifesting in the physical. But I'm telling you, behind every physical battle that you can see, hear, smell, and touch right now, there is a spiritual battle that is behind that that is more intense that you cannot see unless you have spiritual eyes to see it and recognize it for what it is. The battles, the struggles, the spiritual warfare that you see and experience in this world I want to give you some information today. It's really not about you and I fighting the devil. Now, I was raised in church in the late 50s, 60s, teenager in the 70s. And we experienced a lot of turmoil culturally during that time. Some of you are my peers. I can see it on your bald heads <laughs> not talking about the ladies <laughs> we saw culturally this battle going on but it took a lot of praying it took a lot of seeking the Lord as to what's going on how do we handle this and we think oh we're fighting the devil It's really not about fighting the devil. The battle, it's really about light and darkness. And if you've never heard this, you should have by now. If you've taken any kind of science in school, you should know this by now. When it comes to light versus dark, light always wins. Always. So when you think about this, this is a battle of light versus dark. You have to know in your know in your know in your knower. There's victory. We win. There's freedom. In fact, you better just tell your neighbor right now. We win. Just go ahead and just tell him. We win. Let me let me see if I can frame this in a different way. And this might help somebody today. Ultimately, the battle of light and darkness is a battle of worship. 
The battle ultimately, spiritual warfare battle is ultimately about worship. The battle is over the hearts of men and women. Who will you worship and who will you serve? Because you will serve whoever you worship. God must be worshipped intentionally, acknowledging him, honoring him as your supreme Lord and King and Savior and worshipping him out of a heart of love and not compulsion or being forced to. Satan, on the other hand, does not demand or require that same love and devotion and intentionality in your worship or your service. Fear, doubt, worry, confusion, resentment, criticism, hate, jealousy, bitterness, and hopelessness are all received by Satan as worship. So the devil, old Slewfoot, will create conditions and circumstances and problems and hardships and sicknesses and loss in order to get your attention and steal your worship away from God. That's the nature of spiritual warfare. And almost any reaction that you and I have outside of worshiping intentionally, glorifying God intentionally, magnifying God intentionally, Satan will steal for himself and identify it as worship. Even if you don't identify it as worship, he will. And so he will always be working in the spiritual realm to create stumbling blocks, to create circumstances, to put someone in your life who's a negative Nelly, who always wants to say things that just pulling you down, stealing your joy. Anybody have anybody like that in your life? Don't raise your hand. And anything that steals our worship is bondage. And Jesus wants us to be free from that bondage. We have, I have no clue what the percentage would be of the body of Jesus Christ that is living in bondage because they've allowed all of those negative things that I read that I'm not going to read again to rule their life to dictate how they're living. We have bodies of of believers. We have whole groups of believers. We have individuals here and there scattered abroad who have no idea that they're even in bondage because they'll show up to church on Sunday and sing. But the rest of the week, they're underneath their circumstances. Battles for our hearts. Freedom. You're not free until your heart's free. You may not have chains on your wrists and on your ankles. You may not have to wear an ankle bracelet. You may not have to do a lot of physical things that say, oh yeah, you're incarcerated. But you can be incarcerated on the inside to such an extent that God is 
is waiting for you to turn to him because you are so broken he can't even use you within the ministry of the kingdom in this day and age. You're not free. Had someone asked the other day, well, it's been several days now. What would you do if you could do whatever you wanted to do? If you had the freedom to do whatever you wanted to do, what would you do? How many know that's a pretty big question? What would you do? I asked the question in our morning devotions. What would you do if God said, I'll give you whatever you want? Just ask. No qualifiers. He did that to Solomon, by the way, in case you were wondering. Solomon was wise. He says, I would like wisdom. God says, good choice. You are wise. Have more wisdom. Besides that, I'll give you all the money you need. I'll give you fame, all those things. Your kingdom will be established. In our hearts, folks, even sitting here in this room, we have people who are struggling with freedom. And God wants us to live free. Are we living in freedom? All of us have been in bondage to sin. Every single one of us in this room have been in bondage to sin, to brokenness, to addictions, and things like that. Thank you, Pastor Dan, for saying Christianity. Somebody said, well, Christianity is like having a crutch, you know. I read somebody, this is not original to me, and I can't remember who it was that said it. It says, well, Christianity is really not about having Jesus as a crutch. Jesus is a gurney. Because you're dead. You like that? You can use that. I, I, I'll, you just say, Pastor Bob said, somebody said, okay? <laughs> Jesus isn't a crutch. He's a gurney. Because without him, we can do nada. Nothing. Are we living in freedom? We struggle, even as believers, to live holy, holy. That's holy with a W, holy with an H. We live to live in the fullness of what Christ has for us. If you know the weight of bondage, what it's like to be held down by chains, then this idea of freedom in the spirit of the Lord may seem incredibly enticing or downright unimaginable. You mean I can absolutely live free from that? I'm here to declare to you this morning, yes. Absolute freedom. What seems like impossible to us is always possible with God. And if freedom, total freedom, seems unattainable, then surely with God it is not only possible, but incredibly accessible. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to crawl for miles on the cobblestones. You simply ask for freedom to come. You simply invite the Holy Spirit to a whole new level of access to your life. 
We have freedom in the spirit because Jesus came and paid the debt. The wages of sin is death, but Jesus, his victory gives us victory. And if that was impossible, then that, what that was impossible then became possible because of the power of the Holy Spirit. It has been brought forward to 19, or to, what year is this? 20, 1923, God bless us all. Let's go back in time and do it again. No. In 2020, I got, I was preaching ahead of myself. I got to back, back it up. What was impossible and yet became possible is the same power today. Nothing's impossible with him. It's impossible. What was impossible for any person is possible with God. When Jesus entered humanity, as God incarnate, everything changed. A new covenant was established. When Jesus ascended into heaven, the Spirit came. And with the Spirit, we have freedom. And when the Spirit lives in us as believers, we are free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We are free to believe. We are free to accept our adoption as sons and daughters. We are free to receive the blessings of God's grace and his mercy. We are free to receive the provisions of our Father. We are free to live our days as devoted followers of Christ, being made holy, made holy and being made holy and acceptable in the sight of God. We are free to live in his power and presence. The veil of separation that kept us from our total freedom has been torn from top to bottom and access to the very holy presence of God is ours. You boldly can go into the throne room of your father and say, hi, dad, Abba, father. You have freedom to do that. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there we find freedom We find freedom from the veil of separation. We find freedom from the old covenant that only leads to death. The Apostle Paul made it clear that believers in Jesus were no longer bound to the yoke of the old covenant. We're free through the presence of the Holy Spirit of the Lord. Hmm. So many places in Scripture that it would uh, illustrate this to us. So many places. I'm going to give you one. How am I doing? Are you bored? You're done? Can I keep going? Thank you. Anybody like Moses? I love Moses. Moses was not a perfect man, so I can relate. How about you? Moses was convinced that without God's presence in his life, it was useless for him to attempt anything. Remember that conversation you had with God? God says, you're going to go in, but I'm not going. Do you remember that conversation? I'm paraphrasing now. Moses says, God, if you're not going, we're not going. What would be the sense? What would be the use 
of us going into a promised land if the promised one is not there. Remember, we came out of bondage to worship at the mountain. You didn't bring us out of bondage to just go to the promised land. You came and brought us out of bondage to worship at the mountain. It was all about worship, not property. And if we are going to go there without the one we came to worship, if you're not there, we don't want to go. It won't work. God? Now, did God know that wasn't going to happen? Of course. What was he after? Let me just assess your heart, Moses. As you get down towards the end of your life and you're about to transition out and a new one's going to step in, let's make sure we're all on the same page. It's not about conquest. It's about worship. And so many times in the body of Jesus Christ, we get all about the stuff, trying to get stuff, manage stuff, organize stuff, pray for stuff, give away stuff. If we forget, it's all about worship. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Moses' attitude is we operate on one principle and one principle alone. The only way for us to be guided or governed or do battle or survive in these times is to have God's presence with us. And it's the same today. When his presence is in our midst, nobody can destroy us. But without him, we're helpless and reduced to nothing. The the past few years have have placed many of us in captivity physically or mentally or spiritually or emotionally. And the whole world has been turned upside down and people's lives have been messed up. People's hearts have been broken. Their eyes have been blinded by the God of this world. Their joy has been exhausted. And there's been this spirit of heaviness and despair that's been weighing people down. I can see it everywhere around the world. Emotions have been bruised. Relationships have suffered. Families have been torn apart. And in the midst of that brokenness, Jesus comes with a declaration. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. I'm here to hear to tell you exactly what Jesus said. The anointing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to touch all those areas. Jesus' words are still true. In fact, I didn't read the last little line. It says that this is the acceptable year of the Lord. And so I think it would be safe for us to apply that story, that prophecy, to 2023 and 2024 and 2025 and until Jesus returns. This year, we're halfway done. 
will be characterized by God's grace, favor, and redemption, healing, and deliverance because it's the year of the Lord. And as the body of Jesus Christ truly finds its footing in its freedom and its worship, we will see lives in this world that you and I live in, that our environment that we live in, we will see lives changed. Healing will happen. Broken hearts will be mended. Families will be put back together. Addictions will be set free. Healings will be done. Captives will be set free. Those who are bound spiritually will not be held back anymore as we proclaim and worship Jesus. I really truly believe with all my heart that in many places where there has not been restoration, there will be restoration. Because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He restores. He redeems. He restores. And I believe that we're here. This is the year that if the church will hold up the blood-stained banner of the cross, if this is the year that we will truly, no matter what comes at us, say nope. Culturally, nope. Emotionally, nope. Politically, nope. It's not about any of that, it's Jesus. You have to live in that world, but you don't have to be of that world. This is the year restoration comes. It's the year that joy comes back. It's the year when you receive double for your trouble. I'll close with this. Joel chapter 2, verses 25 and 26. This is God's promise. And I will restore to you the years that the the swarming locust has eaten. The crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. I would pause for some commentary there, but my time is short. Anybody? Oh, never mind. My great army, which I sent among you, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. I actually think that this is a great picture of what's happened over the last number of years. We've lost some things. We've given up some things. We've had some things destroyed right out from underneath us. Some people have turned their back on you. Doctors may have given you a bad report. But I am daring to declare to you today that this is the acceptable year of the Lord. And I'm here to say with a certainty that the Lord restores. He will restore to you first the joy of your salvation. He will remind you and put the cross in front of your eyes every day as the provision for what you need. And you're going to find that the spirit of the living God begins to raise up a praise and a worship inside of you you, on a level that you've never experienced before. And that praise becomes the weapon in your hand to do the spiritual battle. How do I know that? Verse 27. 
God says, then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit in all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. These are those last days. They're my last days. They're your last days. Generations to come, they're going to deal with their last days. But these are our last days. And more than ever, you and I need to flow in the Holy Spirit's power and presence. Listen, you can't have his power without his presence. It doesn't work that way. And so our worship, I so love coming and just worship. There's a spirit of the Lord here. He, he manifests himself here in hearts and lives of people who are just willing to say yes. I believe as we close out this morning that Perhaps you find yourself in a place where there's been a level of brokenness, a level of bondage in some place in your life. But you've heard something from the the Lord. Maybe not even something I said, but the Holy Spirit translated it right into your heart. And you want to walk out of here different than you came in. Not underneath it anymore. No more... No more chains. No more weight carried. You want the liberty, the freedom that the Holy Spirit has come to bring. And I want to pray with you. Would you mind just closing your eyes for just a moment, please? It's not some magical formula that we do in church. It's just so that you can not be distracted by anything around and just hear the sound of my voice if if you have not received Jesus Christ as your savior and made him the lord of your life the one who's in control of your life and you're still trying to make it to heaven on your own and do life on your own if you never accepted Jesus never received him then I'd like for you just to look this way and raise your hand I want to pray for you today because today can be the most ultimate freedom day that you will ever experience in your life if you will simply say yes to Jesus the spirit of the Lord comes to live inside of you and you begin a new journey is there one you just look at me and raise your hand and say Pastor Bob pray I need to start a journey with Jesus yes I see that yes I see those hands yes agreement with you again we can pray a prayer but if if it's not in your heart words don't mean anything it's out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks so would the whole church congregation pray with these five or six that raised their hands this morning to begin this freedom journey would you pray along with me together heavenly father Thank you for sending Jesus, your son, to die for me. 
I receive the gift of your grace. Your cross is enough to wash all my sins clean. Holy Spirit, come inside of me. Live in me that I might be changed. I live in the power of the freedom that you have given me. Thank you for for your forgiveness and your love, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, amen. Heaven's rejoicing. We rejoice. If you would do me a, I was going to say do me a solid. That's, 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 if you would do me a favor. I work with high schoolers, so uh, anyway. If you raised your hand, or you intended to raise your hand, you didn't quite make it, but you, in your heart, would you, would you meet with me and some pastors up here in the front? We just want to say that we love you. There's no pressure. If you go out the doors, it's okay. Just come back. Just come back. This is where you learn and you grow. For those of you who need freedom this morning, you've examined yourself, as the scripture says, and you see that there's an area of bondage or brokenness that needs to be healed and set free from today. Would you just stand to your feet right where you're at? I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm just going to ask you to acknowledge before your king, I need help. I need an infusion of the Holy Spirit's power. I need to have things in my life shifted. I need some chains off. I need to break some addiction. Listen, there's more to be addicted to than just drugs and alcohol. We got stuff. But there's freedom in this house today. There's freedom in this house. And I don't know what it is that you need for <laughs> But the chain breaker is here. The way maker is here. The freedom buyer is here in this house. So Lord, you see our hearts. Before we ever responded physically by standing or raising our hands or whatever, you saw our hearts and you see our hearts. cry out for help today. Holy Spirit, come. We open our hearts to you. We don't want a veil between us and you. Deliverer, come. Healer, come. Holy Spirit, come. Where it seems impossible where we've tried and we've tried and we've tried. Lord, we rest now in your presence. Let your presence reign in this house. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Flood this place. Go ahead and just begin to lift your voice, would you? Holy Spirit, come. Worship. Let's create just an atmosphere of worship in your own hearts. 
Let it begin to come out of your mouth. You don't need anybody to lead you. You lead yourself. The Holy Spirit leads you. Begin to worship. Begin to just say, Lord, I'm free. I receive the freedom. I receive the freedom. was just giving me a picture as earlier he had, Pastor Bob had said about how our worry our doubt, our fear that when we stay in those places we're actually giving that as a worship to the enemy, to Satan I never thought of it that way before I'm thinking, oh my God that's what I do and Father forgive me first of all for doing that but what the Lord just showed me right there as we were sitting as we were just giving it to the Lord he says Bring me those things. Bring me your wor- your worry. Bring me your fear. Bring me your doubt. Bring those things to me and give them to me in worship. As we release those things to him, we are releasing our worries, our doubts, our fears, and we're giving it to back to the Lord in worship. Instead of living in those things, that's our worship to the enemy when we live in that. But instead, we stop We go into worry. No, we stop right then and we give that worry to the Lord right there. Don't walk in it. Don't live in it. Stop and give it to the Lord. So whatever it is, the Lord says, stop, give it to me right now. And as you go about your day and you start to have fear, don't stay there. Stop. And give it to the Lord in worship. Give it to him right then and there. Right then and there. And be set free. We worship you, Lord. We worship you. We give you honor and glory in this house. Lord, as we leave through these doors today. Truly, we are a blessed people, and we can walk in freedom. Lord, help us who have received so freely. Help us to be givers of that liberty and freedom as we declare Jesus with our words and our actions wherever we go this week. We bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're in desiring prayer or you are one who raised their hand, can, can I just meet you right over here? Or our pastors will be here. You can just say, I, I received Jesus. We just wanna we just wanna love on you, point you to the next next steps. How many know you have to have next steps? You need next steps. You gotta live and walk in that freedom. God bless you. Enjoy the fourth. Do some good barbecue, would you? And then post on Facebook what it is you put you cooked so I can be jealous. All right, blessings. Love you.